morning. How are you guys doing today? Good. My name is Derek. I'm uh, the new Life Together guy. If you don't know me, I'm, uh, I've been here for about two and a half months. So it's really good to be here at K2. Uh, just happy that you're here this morning. We're, we're working through this series called Launch. And in, in January, we looked, at, uh, we looked at this series called All In-ish. So if you're going to be all in and be a disciple of Jesus, really this launch series is how do you successfully do that. Like, and so this uh, series, or the sermon today is about discipline, which is obviously discipline isn't something that any of us really think highly of. It's like this, this thing that's, oh, it's good if you do it, but it's hard, right? And, uh, and uh, you know, the very first part of this video, they're, they're saying it's hard work. That's, I think, the first two words that came out of this video. It's hard work. If you want to be an Olympic athlete, you have to train your body uh, to do things that are like out of extraordinary, right? And so you have to do extraordinary things in order to, to accomplish that. And so this is where we're at. Like if we want to live out in our faith to do extraordinary things, like what are the disciplines that we have to actually put into our routine, into our spiritual routine to make that happen too? Does that make sense? Cool. Well, uh, you know, there's, just start us off. I mean, there's this scripture in Hebrews uh, chapter 12 that I want to start reading. And uh, it is this. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Okay? So we like to do things that are... Uh, so our, our mind is, is actually made this way. So we, we are rewarded when we, when we get food, water, and uh, we get air, right? I mean, the basic necessities to survive. Like you, if you eat a cookie, your mind actually uh, floods your, your brain with dopamine because you've, been, you've, you've eaten something and you actually are uh, rewarded for that, right? And so if you, like for example, I've got these hostess, uh, if I've got these hostess cupcakes. Um, Kim, you wanna help me out with this? Uh, who wants a hostess cupcake, anybody? I've got, uh, Kim's going to give them out to up here. And he, I'm, I've got two for the uh, back rows. Is that? Didn't quite make it up to Sam. Right there. I see it. Oh, oh, hit the light. All right, so before you eat that cupcake, right, um, I just want to tell you something. There's a truth. That, that I need to impart. Um, that thing has this 160 calories, and it's not exactly 160 calories of the most nutritious stuff on earth, right? Uh, I tried to find Twinkies, actually, because Twinkies are 150 calories, and I didn't know if anybody eat, ate Twinkies anymore, but we went to go get Twinkies, and they're all sold out. So I guess the Hostess cupcakes were what we got, and these are 160 calories. But if you wanted to burn off 150 calories, I had done a little research, and you'd have to jog for 19 minutes. So just if you got one of those, that's just a little truth that, you know, uh, that you have. Like, if you, if you eat this... <laughs> I, I cursed you, didn't I? Like, so you, you, the ones who, who didn't get one, uh, you're kind of feeling good about yourselves right now, right? So you don't have to go for that 19-minute jog. Uh, and this is, this is what it's like. Um, we actually live our lives in such a way um, that we have, we have uphill aspirations, right? We, this is something that John Maxwell says. We have uphill aspirations. We all see ourselves 
uh, and as like our ideal self. You, you've all got a vision of what that looks like, and we're all, we all have a six-pack, right? And, uh, and we're extremely wise and good-looking and all these things. I, or I don't know what the vision is. That's a joke, obviously, but you have some sort of vision of what you could become. And there's things that you can do to actually reach that dream, right? But then we, we struggle with this, this fact that we have these downhill habits, right, that, that kind of lead us the almost the exact opposite direction is what our uphill aspirations are. Like, we, we could be uh, these people, um, but we, we tend to sometimes take the shortcuts because we get rewarded. The quick, easy reward is a lot... Uh, is, is a path that I think we, we follow quite often because the shortcut, um, the shortcut is the short way, right? So this is um, maybe another way to say this verse. Discipline doesn't seem pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. So uh, if you have difficult, short-term goals, it's going to lead to long-term easy consequences, right? Or if you have long or sh uh, easy short-term goals, you're going to have difficult long-term consequences. For example, um, if you decide to get into shape, uh, you know, your body, if you, if you get it into a good shape, is going to work better than if it isn't, right? And so you're going to have better longevity over the course of your life. Your legs are going to work better. Your arms are going to work better. You'll be able to go further and faster and longer and whatever you're trying to accomplish because physically you're in a good spot. Let's just go back to the Olympics real quick. Um, you need four... Um, four things for any success in any area of your life. So, first of all, you need, uh, you need vision for what that, that successful thing is. So let's, how many of you watched Sean White this week? So, okay. So, first of all, uh, this is a funny thing about human reality. I love stories. I love storytelling. And I love watching TV, too. So I love watching the Olympics because you can actually put yourself in the, in the seat of the character. You know, like, you've got, you're watching Sean White, and you're, like, feeling maybe some of the emotions that he's feeling. He runs, uh, he runs the first run down the, down the half pipe, and he gets a 94.25, which is an awesome score. Then the, the little Japanese guy comes down, and he gets a 95.25, and then he comes down for a second run, and he falls on, you know, he's trying to do back-to-back -back 1440s. That's what Sean White was working to do. And then it's like he's the last person to go. Everybody's already gone. He needs to beat 95.25. He needs to have a near-perfect run in order to get the gold medal, or else he's going to win silver. Were you guys here for this? I mean, so he's, we're, we're all like sitting on the edge of our seat. We could like, our heart's pounding because we can experience what Sean White is experiencing. And he runs down uh, the half pipe and he, he, he sticks the back-to-back -back 1440s. And then on that, last, and on that last little twist or whatever you call it, he, he comes down. You can just see the, like, the grin on his face and he's, his face is covered. And I, I mean, I came out of my chair, but literally that's, I felt like I was shocked. Sean White for a second, but I'm literally sitting in an easy chair. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm not Sean White. And, and the truth is, is that if I wanted to be like Sean White, I would have to discipline my body in a whole different type of way in order to accomplish those dreams, right? And so 
Sean White got there because he had these four things. He had vision for what it would take to get the gold medal, um, not only because he had re uh, re reached that before two times, but he, uh, he knew that he didn't have what it took to achieve the gold medal this year because the, uh, the Japanese kid that did the back-to-back -back 1440s before him and got the 95.25 um, could do 1440s, and Sean White last year could not do 1440s. And so he had to start training with the vision that if I'm going to win gold in Pyeongchang, I have to be able to do back-to-back -back 1440s because this is what this, this young Japanese kid's going to be able to do. And so he knew what he needed to do, and then he had, you have to have knowledge. So the first one's vision. If you're going to be successful in anything, you have to have vision. Um, you have to have knowledge of how to get there. And obviously, uh, Sean White, knowing that he had been an Olympic uh, gold medalist before, he knew what it takes to train. And one of, the, one of the things that he lived out, he has the knowledge of how to get there. He, he actually went to New Zealand uh, this summer, where it's in the southern hemisphere, so there's snow there in the summer. So June, July, and August, he's out there training. Uh, and, uh, and he... Uh, he gets tested in the midst of that, right? Because not only do you have uh, vision and knowledge in order to accomplish your goals, you have to have motivation, right? And so he was motivated by the fact that he had won two Olympic gold medals, and then last time at the Olympics in Sochi, he got fourth place. So he, he said that he wasn't physically or emotionally in the same, in the right place, he felt like when he was at the Sochi Olympics. So, um, so when it came to Pyeongchang, he's like, whether I win an Olympic gold medal or not, like I want to be at the height of what I know I can do, right? And so he, his motivation was the fact that he had lost last time, and he wanted to beat this, uh, this Japanese kid that could do these back-to-back -back 1440s. And so he's motivated by that. But then uh, when he's testing these back-to-back -back 1440s, he totally crashes one day and just gashes all up and down his face. And he has to get all these stitches. And so he's, he's tested because there's people that are telling him, including his parents, like, you've run a good race. Like, you've You've been going uh, for years. You're 31 years old. You've been an Olympic athlete since you were 17. And, uh, and you can just quit now and be fine. Like, nobody's going to look down on you for that. You've been at the top of the game. It's no, there's no shame in kind of letting that go. And so he had a decision to make, right? Do I keep moving forward, knowing that I could do this again to my face? Or do I, do I back out? And he decided to move forward. And, and the, the last thing you have to have is, uh, is coaching or community to come alongside of you. And so he had people that were encouraging him that direction as well. And so just for example, we, we may not be able to put ourselves in the place of Sean White, but if you're going to accomplish a physical goal, right? If you want to get into shape, you have to have a vision of what you want to look like, right? So you might... Uh, I know that uh, a couple weeks ago, Dave Nelson was up here, and he was talking about the physique of Hugh Jackman, right? It's like in Australia when the rain's falling down on him, and he's like, his shirt is skin tight, and he, you know, all that sort of thing. He's you know, that, that's what we could look like, right? It's like, oh, man, you know. Uh, so you have to have a vision of being able to see what you could be, but then you have to have knowledge of knowing how to get there, right? And it's like, okay, so knowledge of how to get there is, in this case, you, you know that you have to 
work out. You have to actually show up at the gym, and you have to eat right in order to get into that sort of shape physically. Um, but we all know, this is the hard part about preaching a sermon on discipline, right? We all know that uh, all it takes is diet and exercise to get in good shape, but the fact is is that we all <laughs> we keep eating these, right? <laughs> it's like, why do we keep eating these? And, and the truth is, is when we keep eating these, and, and I'm not shaming anybody, I, I eat these things too. Um, we keep eating these is because we uh, are not properly motivated uh, to, to, to get into shape, right? And so I started, I started this routine last year. I started trying to get into shape to run a, uh, a Spartan trifecta. And, uh, and I wanted to be able to, it's three races. It's a sprint, a super, and a beast. And I knew that I was gonna, uh, I was gonna need uh, people to come alongside me. So I started off with the coaching or the community part first. So I brought a few guys around me and we, we put together a plan, a training plan. Uh, so that's the knowledge of what we're gonna have to do to accomplish this. And then we actually showed up. We, we were motivated because, you know, I, I was, uh, you know, I'm in my 30s and I was kinda, you know, it's, it's easy to get the dad bod, right? So uh, motivated in that way. I was also motivated because I wanted to get a new gym membership. And I had, in my, in my years of being an adult, had owned two gym memberships and had never used them before. So I wasn't going to buy a third gym membership and not use it, right? So, I mean, there's just motivation in the fact that there's self, there's pride involved. You know, it's on the line. It's like, if I'm going to say I'm going to do this and I've got people around me, I'm going to actually show up and try to do this. And so I start training and I'm training harder than I've ever trained in my whole life. And I've got these guys around me and we run the sprint and we run the super and we get to the, we, we get the, done with the super and I'm just kind of disappointed in what I was able to accomplish. Uh, we, were, we did all right, but it's like I felt like I was carrying around extra baggage with me. And so let me, let me tell you this. Discipline is an ad, right? Discipline is actually saying, I want to show up. I want to get in good shape. I'm going to show up at the gym. But there's a difference between discipline and self-control. Uh, self-control is a subtract. And I was getting to the place where not only did I have to add, like I was working out so hard um, harder than I'd ever worked out before, that I thought that I would just naturally lose the, you know, the extra fat that I was carrying. And, I, and it wasn't working. I've always been of the, the mindset that I would rather run 10 miles than stop eating pizza. I don't know if you guys are with me or not. Who's, who's in that boat? It's like, and I was like doing that and I was still like, man, I'm not gonna stop eating pizza, so what do I have to do here, you know? And so I... Uh, I decided to do the unthinkable and actually start eating less. And I wasn't getting crazy, okay? I, like, I didn't stop eating pizza. I just ate two pieces instead of four pieces when we had our pizza night once a week, right? And I started wrapping my burgers in like, you know, uh, lettuce instead of, you know, the carbs and those types of things. I'm not a, a model of health, but just a few simple little changes here and there. And I was just surprised at what, what happened and how when I ran the beast, how there was just less holding me back as I was running the race. And so there's this passage in Hebrews chapter 12 that talks about this. It's Hebrews 12, uh, 1 through 3, and it says this. Uh, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run the race with perseverance that's marked out for us. So... 
we're not just running. I've, I've been using a lot of physical analogy, talking about Sean White, talking about Spartan races, talking about going to the gym and working out. And I, I use that because Paul uses uh, this in all, a lot of his writings. Now, we don't know for sure if Paul wrote Hebrews, but um, there's other passages I'm going to be bringing in that he did write. But there's a lot of, in the, in the Bible, a lot of physical imagery trying to uh, show a spiritual truth. And the spiritual truth is that we're running a race in life. Like, it doesn't matter uh, what, you, what you think we're up to. Like, God's, God says, you're, you're running a race. You're on a course. And that course isn't to like go around in circles in an Olympic track. He's saying that I want you to imagine that you are a disciple of Christ. I want you to imagine that you're a follower of me. And I want you to walk that path. And that's the path that you're running. And so this is, this is the direction we're heading. There's this thing called the kingdom of God. And God wants us to take part in that, and he wants us to win and have victory when we're actually living this out. And so he says, there's some things that could be holding you back as you run that race. He says, there's sin that entangles you, and there's other things that hinder you. And so we all know that as we run this race and we try to, uh, to live out the life of following Jesus, all of us have things that are holding us back. I imagine that this is a universal truth. It, it's true in my life. Uh, I'm not pretending like I've got it all together. And I imagine it's true in your life. But when it comes to sin, um, that's one that we, we can just say, hey, that, that just has no place when it comes to trying to walk out the, the image of what Jesus has asked us to walk out. Like, we're being held up at the start line, and God's saying, hey, let go of that. It's like, how many of you, uh, when I gave, I gave you these Hostess uh, snack cakes, um, would never have eaten these before, but then after holding it in your hand for the last 10 minutes, are seriously considering eating this thing? <laughs> right? It's like, yeah, we, we've got, it's like, this is... This thing is 160 empty calories, but now that I've held it in my hand for a while, I seriously want to, I seriously want to eat this thing. You know, I've been actually sitting here, I think, I mean, I'm getting hungrier, and I think it has to do with the fact that this thing is sitting close to me. And, and you guys are maybe too, like, uh, but it's, you know, the, the writer of Hebrews is saying, no, like, like get rid of that thing. Like, don't, don't hold on to it. Don't, sorry, I, I just, did I just cause another to stumble? I don't know. Um, <laughs> But he's like, get, get rid of these things, like get rid of the sin that entangles you and run the race because God has a good plan for your life. And these are things that are holding you back from the design, from the, the vision of what God wants you to be. Like we all have uphill aspirations of who we think we could be, but I promise you that God has even bigger dreams for your life. And he's saying that the thing that you're holding on to it's holding you back from what I want you to become. And if you were living in that, man, you would be knocking it out of the park. And not only sin. There's, it's so funny because this doesn't just say sin that hinders. It's like everything. There's things that tangle you up that aren't even sinful. And, and I don't know about you, but there's like, there's those, those guilty pleasures like, you know, binging on Netflix or those types of things that maybe it's like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, this isn't really adding anything to my life. Um, but then th there's those, right? And we can all grab one of those that we could probably just like throw off the boat and it would be lighter for it and be able to run a little better for it. But then the, the hard part is that if you step back 
Um, if we really look at our lives from a spiritual perspective, from God looking into our, our, our lives and our world and what he wants to make us into, there's probably really good things in your life that aren't the best things. Does that make sense? That there's these, these things that, that you're doing that aren't sinful, they're not wrong, they're not bad, they're not anything that you should be ashamed of, but they are holding you back from running the race that God has set for you. And it could be uh, work, it could be sports, it could be hobbies, uh, it could be your family. I don't, I don't know. Like, uh, none of those things in the right concept, context, in the right environment, in the right amount of time are bad things, right? None of those are bad things. But if you let them occupy too much space in your life, they become hindrances to be able to run the race with perseverance. And the truth is, is probably this is one of the the best spiritual truths that God has taught me this last year, is that when I tried to start eating healthier and eating less, um, there was something that happened in me that just clicked this spiritual reality. It's like, I was hungry, all the time, the first two weeks, I started to try to eat less. And I didn't die. <laughs> no, get, get this, like, I, I was like this impulse when I was hungry, I felt like I had to put something in my mouth and I had to eat it. I, don't, I mean, I've always been uh, fairly thin, but I feel like I'm, like I'm like, man, this is crazy. Like, this is, this is something that God may be just teaching me about codependency or something like that. But, like, I could not eat and be okay. And there's, there's things that, that are probably tangled up into our lives that feel like if we took them out of our life, we would literally, I mean, th- we don't even know what would be left. We'd be a shell of ourselves. But honestly... Understanding what God wants you to be, you could probably take that out and still be okay, right? Which uh, gets me to the next point, because we are not going to be able to do that. We're not going to be able to do that unless we have an accurate vision. Remember, like, if you don't have a goal, an understanding of where we're heading, then then there's no way we're going to actually be able to have discipline and self-control because our level of endurance is directly proportional to the amount, to the, the clarity of our vision of what we need to become. It's, it's tied together. So if you can't see what God wants you to become, you are not going to be successful at having discipline and self-control in your life spiritually. And so let me just give you a vision of this Hebrews passage real quick of what God sees about you. Um, so Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 says, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... So the writer of Hebrews just gave us a whole picture of all these heroes of the faith of the Old Testament. Moses, Abraham, uh, you even had guys like Samson in there. And they're, they're, they're like these, these people that are in a crowded room. Well, think of the Olympic Games would happen in a hippodrome. And it's like this big pat. It was like this elongated oval. And uh, it was for chariot races or it was for uh, horse races most of the time. But in the Olympics, they would do foot races in there, right? And so imagine yourself in this big, uh, like, coliseum-like 
there, there's, I mean, you're, it's like being in this room, right? Just look around. Just look around. We're in a great crowd of witnesses right now, right? And, and this great cl- cloud of witnesses has been these heroes of faith that have gone before us. Not only these uh, Old Testament heroes of the faith, but the, the apostles and uh, the, the early church fathers and these, these saints that have come all throughout the years. Maybe even people in your own journey, in your own life, who have already passed on. Grandparents, parents, people who... Uh, invested their life into you to give you a spiritual foundation. Now close your eyes. These people are all around you. All these people that have come before you and they're, they're cheering you on. They're saying your name. They believe that you can run this race better than you can. And, and here's the deal. As it says in the next verse, that Jesus... Fix your eyes on Jesus. So keep your eyes closed. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Jesus is standing in front of you. He's like your coach. So you've got this whole crowd around you. Just imagine them. There's just the, the audience, and they're cheering, and they're, they're shouting your name. But Jesus is your coach, and he's right in front of you. And he's trying to tell you something. He wants you to know who he made you to be. What is he saying to you? What's the vision that Jesus has for your life? Because he's there and he's talking with you. Fix your eyes on him. Okay, let's come back in. You know, he's saying, whatever he said to you, I hope maybe God spoke to you just right there, but whatever, whatever God's trying to tell you in your path, in your vision, um, he has been through the cross, scorned its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. So whatever you have to go through to accomplish the dream and the reality that God has for you, he has a vision for your life. You can go through it because Jesus, your coach, has gone through it before you, right? Let's go uh, on to the next verse. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's go back to the first verse. So, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. So, okay, wait, let's go to the next one. Actually, it's 1 Corinthians. Let's get to that verse. That's what I want to get to. Perfect. Thank you. So, do you know, do you not know that those who run a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Let's keep going. Everyone who competes in the games, what games is he talking about? What's the games? The Olympics, right? So this is a great passage for this week, right? Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do not receive a perishable wreath, uh, there are, they do it to receive a perishable wreath. What's, a, what's the wreath in the Olympic Games today? The gold medal, right? So the Olympic athletes train in order to receive a gold medal, right? But we do it for something else. We do it to receive an imperishable one. Keep going. Therefore, I run in such a way as, to, as not to aim 
Or, Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself may not be disqualified. So if we have a vision of what God wants, um, which, like I was saying, is to actually live in the kingdom. Jesus came and he preached the good news of the kingdom. He wants us to live in such a way that our life actually... Uh, it is identified by being a person that calls himself a member of the kingdom. And all throughout the Gospels, um, Jesus, the, the followers of Jesus aren't called Christians. They're called disciples. And so if you want to be a part of the kingdom, you want to be a disciple of Jesus, which means you have to actually discipline yourself to follow Jesus. And so when you discipline yourself to follow like Jesus, you actually start looking like Jesus, right? Are you guys following my, my track and my vision here? And if you start following Jesus, you start actually producing the same fruit that Jesus had, right? And things start to look different for your life. And so if you have that vision, that's great. And, and then you have to have the knowledge to carry out that vision, which Dave was talking about two weeks ago when the start of this series. He was talking about us getting into the word of God. The only way to know what God wants for you is to understand what he has planned for your life. And the only way to understand what he has planned for your life is to get into his word. And he gave us a, me a method and a model he called SOAP. Wait, do you guys remember that? How many of you are here for that? Okay, if you weren't here for that, go watch it. And you should be here like every week because it's all important, right? So like come to church all the time. It's a good thing. Um, but like if we actually get into the word, we'll, we will have the knowledge to actually figure out how to walk this path that we have a vision for. But if you have a vision and a knowledge, but you don't have motivation, it doesn't matter. Uh, that, that, just, that just goes by the wayside, right? It's like the realization that we all know what we need to do to get into good shape, but we don't actually do it. And so it's, it's the same reality that I took a year of guitar lessons in college, but I can't play guitar because I didn't have any motivation to play it. Like, I did not discipline myself to sit down every night and play. I, I would just play the songs. I, I would play the songs I had to play to pass the class, right? And so at the end of a year, I was just a complete, I was like mechanical about the guitar. And I got an A in the class, but I don't know how to play the guitar, because I had no motivation to play the guitar. And, and so in this passage in 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul is giving us our motivation. He's saying, if all there is to life is the 70 years, you may as well live your life in such a way that it's only about comfort and security and pleasure and just sitting around and watching the Olympics instead of going and playing the Olympics, right? But it isn't just about these 70, 70 years. He says he wants you to go out and he wants you to run the race in order to get third place, right? What do you, what do you say? First place. Run the race like you're going to win the race. Have you guys ever watched a football game where the team that's playing looks like they're playing not to lose instead of playing to win? You, you know the difference, right? It's like, I just don't want to look stupid when I'm out here. Like, I, I, how many of us in this, in this audience are playing our spiritual life like we're, we're just trying not to lose? We just want to make sure we don't, we don't go, we want to go to heaven. Like, we, what, what's the minimum requirements not to go to heaven? Not, what is it going to take to run this race in such a way that I can be the first one that crosses the finish line and win the medal? 
But what are, what are we seeking? It's not a medal, right? Like we have, he says, we're not seeking after a, a wreath that'll wither, but it's a imperishable wreath. And so there's this illustration that I got from a guy named Francis Chan. He's a lot more famous than me. Um, and he, just imagine this rope. Um, it goes on for forever, right? Uh, I know I just pulled it out of this bag, right? But uh, play with, go along with me here. So this rope is a, uh, just a timeline of your life. Right? And most of us, we live in such a way as that um, we're only going to live for 70 years. Right? But God says that we're eternal beings and our life is going to stretch on for forever. And if we're only living for the next 70 years, like we're going to have a whole different set of motivations than we will if we have an eternal perspective. Right? It's like most of us are working, working really, 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 really hard so that we can like enjoy this last little bit, you know, and like go on vacation and drive our RV around and see all 50 states, right? (laughs) But it's like God has so much more planned. Like if we have an eternalist perspective, it doesn't really matter if somebody hurts us here, we can forgive them because it's like, hey, guess what? It doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things because this life is just a little blip on the radar. Like, if bad things happen, guess what's left? Like, God's got a huge plan. What about, I mean, it means we don't have to try to seek after the securities and the comforts of this world because God's saying, hey, if you actually put my kingdom first, if you put the things that I have planned for you first, like, I'm going to take care of you here. Like, years and years to come. And people think we're crazy because we're not thinking about this. But I'd say, you're crazy for not thinking about this, right? (laughs) This is like, there's so much more going on than meets the eye, right? And so our motivation is that if if we start living this life, like, not only does it have eternal impact, there's actually promise of God that it'll actually change our lives today because there's, there's these fruit um, that Paul talks about called the fruit of the Spirit. And so if you actually start walking in step with God's Spirit and you start walking in the path that he created for you and living out his kingdom, you start, you know, which is generosity and love and, and showing people God's peace because it's like, man, I don't care if I get hurt just for this little bit because you're thinking long-term. Like, it actually uh, leaves these ripples in the people around us. And we start getting encouraged to live uh, even more fervently for our faith because we see some, some results here today. It's like going to the gym, right? And you start going to the gym, and it's really, 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 really hard the first couple weeks. But then, and especially because you don't see any results. But then, like, a few weeks in, you start to see some, some progress, right? It's like, oh, man, I can lift five pounds heavier. Or it's like, oh, like, you're sitting in the mirror, and you're like, I think there's an ab there. <laughs> I kind of have to lean back and really, you know, scrunch it in. But, like... That's, that's cool stuff. And, and so you start, to, you start to see progress, and that spurs on even more progress as you move forward. Does that make sense, you guys? Like, God wants to motivate us to live a life. It's actually uh, about his kingdom and about his ways. And the, to, to be honest, it's going to be a lot better life 
It's going to be a life that's identified by victory because God wants us to win the race, not just to run the race. He wants us to actually go out and win it, win the prize, and to come out on the other side not feeling like, oh, man, I barely made it, but to be feeling like, man, I killed it out there. I crushed it. And to be honest, like, you are not going to crush it if you try to do this by yourself. That's, that's the last point, because you got to have coaching, right? you got to have brothers or sisters to come alongside you. And, and you, we have one more verse that I want to share with you, but we're not running a sprint. We're running a marathon when it comes to faith. If we have an eternal perspective, we're all going to plateau, and we need somebody to come alongside us and pick us up and run with us. This isn't something that we have to do by ourselves. We have running partners. So let me share with you this last verse out of Hebrews. It's just a couple chapters earlier, in fact. And he says, Now let us consider how may we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. So it's like, I'm coming to church not just because I want to get fed, but because I know I'm going to run into people that are on this race with me, that are running, and I need to come alongside them, and some of them I'm going to grab, and I'm going to say, hey, come with me, because today I'm strong, but tomorrow I might be weak, so you might have to pick me up and run with me, right? And that's what we're doing if we're brothers and sisters in Christ, isn't it? We're, we're, these guys are telling me it's time for communion, okay? Come on, Mark. Um, so we're passing out elements, um, and I'm going to move on to our takeaways here, but we're passing out the elements. Just hold them, please, and we'll take communion together. Here at K2, uh, we have an open table, and so it doesn't matter what faith background you have, anything like that. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your son, as the son of God and your savior, uh, we would love to have you take part in this communion here with us today. Um, and, uh, and let's see, the first takeaway here is, is discipline. Um, it's all good and it's all well to have a sermon about discipline. It's all good to talk about the four things you need for success, but it means nothing unless you actually do something with it. It's, it's like you can, on the January 1st, have the best plan and the best vision for what you're, you're going to look like and your physique is going to be at the end of the year. But unless you actually show up at the gym and then you show up the next day and then you show up the next day, like you're, you're going to look the exact same as you did at the beginning of the year at the end of the year, right? So when it comes to spiritual disciplines, it's the same thing. If you don't have a time on your calendar to spend with God then you are not going to get stronger in your faith. So I just want to say, if you want to get stronger in your faith, pull out your phone right now and make an appointment. So you may not be an, a morning person. You may be a, a person that stays up to the wee hours of the night. Uh, or you may be a morning person, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be at 6.30 in the morning. It doesn't have to be at 10 o'clock at night. Figure out the time that works best for you based on who you are and make an appointment. But most likely, you're going to have to give something up in order to do that, right? You're going to be giving up sleep. You're going to be giving up uh, who knows what. You might have to give up actually going to the gym. If, you, if you're like spending three hours a day at the gym, uh, that's become an idol in your life, right? I know we talked a lot about getting into good, healthy shape physically, but that's not what we're talking about. You know, it says in 1 Timothy, uh, physical health, physical training is of some value, but godliness 
is of value for all things in your life. We're talking about godliness here because it, it applies to everything you come into. You can be of great physical health and your whole rest of your life is a wreck. And so God wants to see uh, you experience this victory. And in order to do that, you got to learn how to uh, get up and do this. Like I've been going to the gym this year and I'm stronger than I ever have been in my whole life. And I say that because if we don't actually show up our spiritual disciplines, we're not going to get stronger. In fact, if you don't use your muscles, you get weaker, right? And so uh, set an appointment. It's, it's the only way that we can be successful in, in moving forward in this. The next one is uh, self-control. So let's just take a second. This one's really hard, especially. I, I feel like discipline is an ad, and ads are almost easier than subtracts, right? And so let's just pray. God, what is it that you need to take away from our life? Show it to us. Lord, what's the one thing that's hindering, hindering me? God, speak to me. Show it to me. Lord, give me vision, knowledge, and motivation to pluck that out of my life. We don't want those anymore. We don't want to be held back at the finish line. We want to run the race to win it. We want to run the race to get the gold medal. Lord, you've got a good plan for each person here. Lord, take these things that are holding us back out of our lives. We don't want them anymore. And the next one is this. It's community. Like, here's the thing. You cannot do it alone. You cannot do it alone. If you try to do it alone, you are going to fail. You might run for a while. You might run for two weeks. You might run for two months. You might run for two years. But eventually, you're going to fall down, and you're going to need somebody to pick you up. And if you're running by yourself, and there's nobody there to pick you up, you're going to fall away. And you're going to fall off your path, and you're going to fall off the direction and the vision that God has for your life. So we need each other. And I just, so I want to say today, we've actually got tables in the lobby. You probably saw them as you came in. They're on the right-hand side as you go out. And there is eight brand new uh, Life Together groups that are starting up this month. And so if you want to join a community that's going to grab you by the arm and run with you, there's no excuse. You're, you know, like I can understand not getting in a Life Together group that's been meeting for the last two years because, you know, they have their secret handshake and you know, fist bump or whatever. There, there's really no excuse even for that. But these people are going to be just as uncomfortable as you about showing up because they don't know each other yet. And so go out there, get signed up. If, there's also some other things you can get into. Like if you are not ready to get into a, a Life Together group um, because you've, you're going through some, some extreme trauma in your life right now, like we have Celebrate Recovery out there and we have a brand new class going through divorce care right now. So if you've been through the trauma of divorce and you want to work through that before you get into community in a Life Together group uh, that's long-term, like go do that first. That's okay. We have those options for you. Don't use them as an excuse to not get connected because if you try to run the race by yourself, what's going to happen? You're going to fail, right? So with this, we come to the table. Thank you, Eric. And there's this amazing thing that Jesus did. He actually tied relationships together. The relationship with each other is highly impacted by the relationship that we have with God. 
So we cannot be in right relationship with one another if we don't have right, right relationship with our God. It's just the truth. And, and we can't claim to have right relationship with God if we don't have right relationship with each other. It's, they go hand in hand. And if you're out there going, I, I love what you're saying, Derek, but I don't know if I can do it. Here's, here's an encouraging thing. First uh, Timothy says this. God did not give us a spirit of timidity. In fact, he's given us his spirit, and with his spirit comes power, love, and self-control. So if you're worried that you don't have the power to live out this self-controlled and disciplined life when it comes to following Jesus, it's okay. I don't either. (laughs) But God does, and he says he's going to give us his spirit to accomplish his goals for our life. And he went and set out to prove it by coming down, making himself known to us, and then giving his life up on the cross. That's how serious he is to say that you can do this because I am with you. I am not going to leave you alone. I am not going to leave you by yourself. I'm not going to let you walk this path and fail. I'm going to lead you down a path, and you're going to find success if you stick with me. And so Jesus, the first, it was a Passover night, and he brought all the the disciples together, and he broke the bread, and he said, this is my body. It's been given for you. As often as you take it, remember me. So let's remember him today. In the same way, he took the cup and he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. I'm doing something completely new here with your life. And I want you to take part in it. That's what he's saying. So if you want to be a part of the new covenant that Jesus has with us, let's take this together. Lord, we come to you now and we're thankful for the reality that you have for our life, that you want us to succeed. Lord, you want us to realize the vision that you have for our life that's much greater than what we're even thinking. Lord, because you have this uh, amazing big picture view of who we are, and we've been blinded by lies and people telling us that we can't, and we don't have the vision because we've been told not to dream about it. Just do what you got to do today to survive. And Lord, we're done with surviving. Lord, we want to strive and we want to win. So Lord, give us the strength to walk this path, this hard path that feels a lot like running, but it's better. Lord, we love you. We lift this day to you in your name. Amen.